Welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. I'm Albert Imperato. Where we help men connect and build empathy. Today we have Tim Sorensen on our show today. Tim grew up in Red Wing, Minnesota. That's the town where they make all the boots. He's been married for 27 years. Tim and his wife moved to a Sleepy River town just south of Red Wing 25 years ago to start their family. He has two wonderful kids that are both off to college. Tim works as a software systems design designer for an IT company. Tim, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you guys, it's great here. I just wanna say it's so wonderful that you guys are doing this podcast, are pointing out that men need to be vulnerable. We need to share with other men. We need to reach out to other men. It's such a wonderful thing you guys are doing. So I wanted to start off with saying, great job. I really appreciate that you guys are spearheading something like this. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're That's very welcome. Fine, to Tim. Thank you. Well, the first thing that I kind of found out about you is that uh, you take wonderful photography. Um, I love your aesthetic, that warm kind of vintage tone to your photos. And um, yeah, it's just great. I, I really enjoy your Instagram feed and all that you post about Red Wing boots and you know all the leather that you have on there. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind that? Um, Instagram happened completely by accident. I am not a social person. I didn't have any social media at all. I still don't have a Facebook page. Um, I do have a Twitter account, but um, I literally joined Instagram because my daughter asked me to take her high school photos. And I'm like, well, I know what high school photos look like in 1989. I'm guessing kids aren't doing the same thing. So it was like, okay, how do I find out what photos should look like for high school photos? And it's like, well, Instagram's probably the place to go. So went to Instagram, created an Instagram account called the account Crush the Gram because it was going to completely just be a throwaway account. And uh, um, did some research, posted up a few of the pics I was taking just to kind of um, get some uh, reviews and stuff. And one of the pics, my daughter is four seven, so she had on her Red Wing 8.7. And Got a couple comments about the boots on there. And next thing you know, I'm down this rabbit hole of, you know, boots and denim on Instagram completely by accident and completely got sucked in and love it. Love the community. It is such a wonderful community. I've met so many great people on there. Um, you know, and completely shocking to me as a guy who's not into social media, it's like all of a sudden social media. And it became real social. I had real connections with guys, you know, around the globe and then locally. I mean, I go up to the cities on a regular basis to have lunch or dinner with some of these guys, um, spend time with them, go to some of their events. It's, it was really shocking, really amazing, um, especially for a guy who doesn't reach out, doesn't get out of his comfort zone very often. Um, this was a great thing and, and shocking. You, you think of social media, I think, I thought of social media as complete, you know, trash media, trash social. I mean, there was no real connection there at all and completely wrong. 
Wow. Well, we made, we made a joke in our intro uh, episode that we're, we're trying to put the social back into social media. And there is quite a lot to be gained from talking to people, especially people who are different from us. I think that's been my most positive experience is I would have never had a chance to talk to people from so many different backgrounds, whether they're different uh, cities or different occupations. It's just, it's just been incredible. Um, when I came and started looking through my Instagram feed, you guys were out there before me. And I remember actually finding both of you sort of on the early side of my own uh, uh, time on Instagram. And uh, actually, both of you were, were, were guys that I messaged pretty quickly in the mix and uh, just felt, you know, sort of an ease uh, chatting with you. But Tim, I did something with you first, actually, that I didn't do with uh, Adam right at the beginning is I remember feeling a sort of sense of melancholy in you. And just thought, my God, you know, maybe this is somebody who actually wants to talk a bit more than just the usual Instagram comments talk. And I remember sending you, you were the first person I sent my, um, my cell phone number to through an Instagram feed to basically a person I didn't know. And for a moment I thought, oh, is that a great idea? And then you called me and we had an amazing conversation. So uh, I I remember just thinking, hey, this guy's been posting about kids in college. I wonder if he's just feeling blue about that. So anyway, it was I, I guess I was maybe onto a little something there. Yes, you were definitely onto something. I mean, it was um, my daughter, first kid heading off to college, um, definitely posted a moody photo, um, son behind me, hair down, head down. Um, put it in the caption kind of about being in that turmoil of the kid of my daughter heading off to college and what that was like. And, um, you know, you were what you were the first guy on Instagram to reach out in a real social way to not reach out in just the regular chit chat. And I have, I'm not a good social person. So chit chat has it's it's terrible it's fingernails on a chalkboard to me i can't i'm i'm an introvert going to a party and just moving from person to person with just small talk kills me if i can sit if i can find someone we can sit somewhere and have a real conversation i love it but the small talk that kind of thing i i can't do very well um, and so for someone to reach out on there and, and to have a genuine concern for me um, was absolutely wonderful. And, you know, I definitely took you up on having the call. And again, I felt kind of awkward. I'm like, I'm calling this guy that I just know from some photos, mostly of denim and boots. <laughs> you know, and it's like so weird. But again, we we had chats in the in the comments and you know i kind of had a you know knew your personality a little bit and that really but then you just reaching out really made it you know okay this guy wants a genuine connection and i could use someone to talk to well i since you know learned that there is that little instagram camera so you can actually talk without giving your cell phone number I don't regret at all that we exchange cell phone numbers. There's something like that's when you go to the next phase of an Instagram relationship, when you actually can text each other to a real number. But um, yeah, I remember, I just remembered just very, very uh, immediately feeling such warmth 
and empathy in you, I, th- uh, that comes through in a lot of your communication. And, you know, it's funny, you said that you describe yourself as an introvert. Uh, it reminds me of this uh, composer who described atheists as reverse believers. Introverts are kind of reverse extroverts somehow. Uh, maybe not, but I, 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 do you kind of, how do you attribute that, that just sense of yourself as, as an introverted person? Is it just uh, a habit? Do you think, is it being in cold, min, you know, Minnesota, you sort of get used to quiet winters and you're not going to, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of pulling in a little bit. I mean, any, any sense of where that personality trait came in you? Um, where the personality trait didn't come, where, where it came from, I don't really know. Um, I'm def definitely the classic nerdy introverted, would sit in the basement and write code all day, all night, um, you know, interact with people um, through, you know, email and things like that versus actual social. Um, I did have, you know, some very close friends. If I have friendships, they tend to be really close friendships. I don't, you know, again, with my feeling that I'm introverted. And again, it's a scale, it's a sliding thing, you know, from, you know, introvert to extrovert and ambivert in the middle. I'm definitely more towards that introverted end. Um, I can, as I've gotten older, I've gotten much better at forcing myself out of it. Um, when I was younger, I definitely was way too, did not have any self-confidence to force myself out of that. Now I'm confident enough, you know, in a situation that I know I can talk to people and, and, you know, it's fine, but where it came from, I don't know. Um, I mean, I grew up in a family who, you know, we don't talk about feelings, you know, it was a, you know, a very, you know, um, you know, I mean, a very loving family, but yes, we definitely didn't discuss those things. Um, like Adam, I'm, I'm adopted. And so, you know, I wonder how much, if there's some from the other side, because I'm not, I'm, I'm not much like my, my adopted parents. Um, so, you know, I wonder there, but I, I don't know any of my background at all. Um, so I don't know. Um, but I'm definitely an introvert. I'm definitely the classic kind of nerdy guy, and I'm okay with that. Ah, well, I definitely uh, understand how you feel about being adopted. You know, there's just that kind of whole mysterious veil that is kind of just over a part of your life where it's like, yeah, well, how do you know? It's like, I don't. Um, but what I'm curious about is, you know, with, with your kids and how you were raised, was there any shift that you did in, you know, parenting or, you know, bringing up your kids to talk more about emotion or talk more about their feelings? Um, you know, we definitely made, you know, conscious decisions on, you know, that um, both my wife and I were going to raise the kids different than both of us were raised. Um, she was raised in a very conservative family, extreme conservative. I was in a very liberal family. I mean, you know, I could do whatever I wanted. Everyone was always at my house if they were going to be somewhere, you know, just because, you know, there were no rules. Um, and so, you know, we made sure that, you know, when we talked about it, that we knew we were going to meet in the middle and that has worked very well for us. We both probably overcorrect to the other side 
And so that's great because then we, again, it, it really points us back. And we did make a, you know, an effort to discuss more. I still don't think we do a wonderful job of it. Um, my wife comes from a family of nerdy people. Her dad's definitely, er, her, and her brothers are as well. Her oldest brother, you know, college professor, smartest guy you'll ever meet with no common sense. Um, you know, and so, you know, it's just the classic. And when we met, we met young, she was from a different town, you know, school kind of thing, um, you know, college um, kind of thing. And she didn't think I was nerdy. And so when she in a, as our relationship grew and she realized I was a nerd, she's like, okay, you kind of tricked me in the beginning and uh, I'm not sure how I feel about this. <laughs> ah. Secret nerd, secret nerddom. Yes. Yes. I was. Our, our entire world has been completely changed by the, the work of nerds. You know, they really have had their revenge with all these tech companies having such an uh, outsized impact on our lives um uh, but at this you know same token it, it seems like you're kind of rediscovering the way to use this technology to to good ends i mean you're you're communicating with more people certainly watching you in the community you you give almost all your posts have some sort of message to them uh, you know I, I i get a lot for example when i'm in the when the, back in the city and i'm not uh, near nature and i i know what it when you're talking about you know started my day with a walk at the lake and how nature clearly is a very big part of your identity and life and it's you know really really important for people who have it to appreciate it and also for people who don't have it maybe to be aware that it might be something that they need i guess you always then you've lived in a small town so you've never really lived in a in a real big city yeah, um, college, you know, I was in a couple big, but nothing big, big. I you know, was in Minneapolis for a little while, um, and so that was bigger, but I always appreciated a small town. I always knew I was going to, you know, land small town, um, really where my, you know, where my heart is. And yeah, you know, outdoors, nature was always a big thing. Um, my adopted family was very much an outdoors you know both farm you know heritage um the dad that adopted me um was a big outdoorsman um passed away when i was just 18 months old um so i had this you know so so his legacy was the outdoors i mean you know i'm sure with my uncles that you know and um, and other fa- and other members who knew him, you know, his his persona is probably bigger than it was. But he was this great outdoorsman, and so that was always my connection to him was trying to get into the outdoors and do those things, even though that wasn't what I was. You know, I was much more comfortable, re- you know, reading a fantasy book, um, writing, you know code when I was, you know, in sixth grade, uh, I was much more comfortable there, but it always felt my connection to him was those things. So I definitely tried to do those things. Um, you know, tried the sports things, tried the manly, manly things that 
aren't my personality. Um, but now it's been, again, it's been that great balance, um, having that, um, seeking it out, but then later realizing that that isn't who I am, but I can still appreciate those things and still have a tie to them from that have really been important to me. Is it like a must go that you must like hockey in your town? Is that, are you guys one of those kinds of places? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, the town that, you know, my, my adopted dad is from, you know, big hockey town, um, you know, and just, and Red Wing was a big hockey town growing up that we were right in an area, right at a time that our team was very good. The players went on to play, you know, at the University of Minnesota and went on to play, you know, professionally. So it was, it was a big deal at that time. And so, yes, definitely. I mean, we're the state of hockey, so it was definitely a thing. So. Right on. Well, big hockey fan over here. Love the Penguins. I know we got a little bit of a rivalry, but <laughs> yep. I think we can agree that we just both love hockey. Um, when you were saying before that, you know, you, you weren't this manly man. I mean, everything that you've kind of told me um, about who you are as a father, like puts you in a position that I think is a very manly man. I mean, you provide for your family, you care about their emotions, you have a very loving relationship with your wife. Like to me, that defines, you know, who a man is. You don't have to be out there like, you know, sawn down trees and you know, all, all those kind of other things to, to be a man. So I, to me, I think, you know, the de definition of a man is, you know, who they are to themselves and who they are to a family. And, you know, for you, I think you're a great representation of that. So I, I would say I, I think you should adjust your perception of what a, a manly man is because you're definitely one to me. And, and. And that's definitely adjusted. I've definitely become comfortable with who I am, with with those sides of me, and that that is what a man is to to do those things. But that is definitely growing up, not what you know the definition of a manly man was. You know, you you went to work at the factory. You spent time after that at the bar. You spent time out in the woods. You, you know, went out on the, we went out on the, we burned wood. We lived in town, but we burned wood. So, you know, you spent every weekend at my uncle's farm cutting down trees and chopping wood and doing those things. And that was, you know, those were my, were my manly man things. And yeah, and, you know, you know, you, you didn't hear, I love you from another guy. You didn't, you know, you know, the best praise you could get was, you know, that, that they gave you some job to do. That was the manly job that you were going to lose a limb. You know, then you knew you were, you were on the right track. What do you think changed like over time? Cause you know, a lot of people um, have, have kind of said that, like they had, you know, a different perception, you know, their older generation kind of said that, you know, there's definitely a stereotype of, of that kind of man. What do you think changed from, from then till now in the perception of, of being a man or, you know, even saying, I love you to someone who's not your spouse or a family member? Yeah. And it definitely has changed. I mean, society has definitely um, broadened that perspective, accepted much broader views um, as a whole, and it's been wonderful. I mean, we've 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 been a society that that ha over the last you know twenty years has started to um, accept 
people from all different walks of life to look at their views, to see what, you know, even in our differences, to see um, the advantages and disadvantages and to try and, you know, have that melting pot of those things. And, you know, the perception of what a man is has definitely changed over that time. You know, and I think with everything, you see the pendulum swing and, and you know, you, you, you see it go back and forth over, over the eons. Um, and, you know, we're at a time that I think it's a very good time that you see those acceptance. You see people pointing out, you know, when, when someone is fearful to accept those things. And, you know, we have a lot of that. We have a lot of fear with, well, men aren't men anymore. Um, you know, and so you'll have someone who's fearful of a guy who looks at you and says, I love you. And, uh, and, and, but we also have gotten to a point in society where we will call that out and say, you know what, that is what a man does. This is how we should treat each other. This is how we should look at each other. And, and that's a great thing. It's a great thing when society starts to fight for those things. Well, it's great that, you're, that you've come to talk to us and actually in, uh, enunciate those things and say them out loud. Uh, because they, they do get magnified uh, through that uh, that means people hearing you are, are gonna are gonna hear what you're saying and see the example that you're giving and say wow he's confirmed this thing in me that I've maybe felt intuitively but maybe don't hear around the kitchen table the bar or the locker room or wherever else people hear other messages and eventually if you surround yourself with enough of the right people, the new voice that you hear, the collective voice is, is a much more positive voice. And I think that's a little bit what we're trying to, to do in these, in these conversations is just continually expand sort of the network of communication uh, so that there is an alternative to a certain degree to the idea that we are, um, especially here in America, that we're so divided, we'll never come back together. We are being fed this idea uh, that we can never patch, you know, we can never reconnect. Uh, we're, we're forever partisan. We're forever apart. And I think, um, I, I, I think that that's not true. And I think the way to combat it is to, to rebuild the bridges. So you're an example, you know, you're, you know, you're the pioneer, you're the, the guy out front and we urge you to, to, um, I don't know, it's not, the responsibility doesn't fall on your shoulders but at the same token, I hope that, um, you know, that you feel emboldened by, you know, realizing that you're, you're doing a good thing. And we hope, hey, look, we're here to, to help in any way we can. If, you, if there's any way we can support you, you, you just say the word. And I appreciate that. And that's part of what this platform that you guys are doing is such an appreciation that you're giving different guys a chance to talk and we get to see these different sides and, you know, everyone's got a story. Everyone's going to go through hardship. Everyone's had a loss and grief um, and they're going to. And to know that people have gone through that and to hear their stories. Um, again, I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm, you know, you said, you know, you feel empathy in me and I appreciate that. I'm an empathetic person logically. I am not a natural empathetic person. I think Adam said that a little bit, you know, nat, you know, and it's one of those things you have to work on, but I, you know, 
I don't have very good, I'm the joke around our house. If, you know, someone says something to me, it's like, you hurt my feeling. I have one, not my feelings, you know, so you hurt my feeling. You know, that's sort of the joke because that's sort of what it is. I, I, I may have one, but that's all, um, you know, and, and I've definitely worked on breaking that mold and definitely worked on those things. But, you know, a lot of my empathy is just, you know, again, logical, not how I feel. Cause again, I might not feel much, especially I see other people feel so much more. And I've started to notice that early on, I couldn't even notice that someone else felt something, um, you know, and, and couldn't possibly, you know, and now I, started to do that started to pay more attention to it and so i don't know tim i I don't think you give yourself quite enough credit i remember when i was i posted about a book by uh saint antoine exuperay uh uh wind sand and stars like my defining like bro book like that is the book that i give to the, the guys uh some women but some a lot of guys because it's a lot about male friendship and about male inspiration um Anyway, I posted about that once and I quoted the, the famous quote that is like my, the quote that's closest to my heart and probably all of literature. When, when Exupere said, uh, in a world become a desert, we thirst for comradeship. And I posted that and you replied that day about it. Um, and two months later, you referred to it. You referred to it and mentioned, and you actually quoted some of the rest of what I quoted. And you don't do that unless you're a person of deep feeling and a, an empathetic person and a person with like very, very good, strong uh, em- empathy and, and connectivity skills. So, uh, you know, just you know, add, to use an Adam phrase, a little bit of a mindset. We have our, our own perceptions. You know, I, you know, I'm emotional. And I often, when I was younger, thought that that meant I was weak. And now I'm 57 and I've survived a lot of shit and I ran a business and I'm, I'm somewhat successful with my life. And I'm like, oh my God, emotional doesn't mean weak. And you know, it is, something changes in, in the mindset. And Adam, Adam has, has helped me even now in two weeks that we've been talking. I could see other ways that my own mindset is starting to shift about, about uh, the life that we lead. Adam, did you want to, did you want to jump in? Yeah, so I kind of want to go back because um, I, I do think you know something there there is that Tim can share with us right now um, that'll continue to help us out. And you know, you said you started to have these conversations with um, your family around emotions and stuff like that. So, what were some of the techniques, or like, what were the, some of the questions that you asked to like when you noticed those emotions and when you started to notice these things to spark that conversation? Because sometimes just one question can really just open the floodgate of everything. So was there any kind of like special techniques that you used with your family that helped you kind of get past that, you know, invisible wall of, hey, I'm, I'm emotional and I don't know how to express it? Was there something that you did to kind of, you know, break down that barrier? <laughs> um, yeah, um, no technique, really. I mean, we did, you know, so we made it a point to have dinner together every night. So we were, you know, we, we made that a point that we were going to be one of the families that did that. We were going to sit down at the table together, break bread together, and give us a chance to mm-hmm. say, you know, 
what was one great thing that happened today? What was one bad thing that happened today? You know, what was your worst? What was your best? Um, you know, and give us a chance just to open the door and talk about it. Um, and, you know, some days you would get some great stuff. Some days you would get, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, those kind of things. But it was just that open dialogue, knowing that every single night we were going to sit at the table and we were going to have a dialogue during that time. And so you, I knew I had that window right then that it was going to be a chance that um, phones weren't at the table, you know, headsets weren't on, someone wasn't you know, gaming or playing music or listening to music that we sat at the dinner table and had that chance to just talk to each other. Um, and that was, you know, the takeaway for me for the time raising the kids for us, that was one of the most important things, especially as the kids got older and time, you know, time gets short. They're so busy. They're got so many things to do that we still said we're having dinner together. You know, unless it's something major going on, we're sitting down at the table together. Um, and that was probably our most important decision for that sharing. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, you know, you're not saying that's, you know, it's probably not a technique, but that's definitely a, a method to invite them to a welcoming space. And yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to be good days, bad days, sad days, and happy days. But, you know, giving your family a, a place to just, have that conversation and, and they know that's you know a little bit of routine and is consistency where if they do need to express something, they know like, hey, you know what, I can get through this because tonight at dinner, you know, I'm gonna tell my dad this or I'm gonna tell my mom this. So I think that's awesome and definitely something I'm gonna implement in my life because my wife and I work, we have a crazy schedules, but if we can have one meal together and really sit down with the family and, and chat, um, you know, that's that's gonna be important and impactful in our lives. So thank you. Yeah, if you can make it work in your schedule, I, I would say that was one of the most important things that, you know, we carried out of raising our kids was that consistency, that time every night that that we shared. Because besides that, it's so hard. I mean, kids are, you know, off. Our kids did lots of different stuff and they're off with music. They're off with whatever. Or they're playing, you know, computer games with their friends. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to get in there unless you're going to, you know, plop down on the same game server and, you know, and uh, <laughs> head head right into the messaging to, to, to get a chance to say something. You You don't have a window in a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know growing up for me, like, you know, it was AOL instant messenger time. And, you know, my parents didn't know what was going on. And I could just click clack away. And, you know, I was talking to different people. And, you know, I had that as to, to not let my parents in. And, I, and that was my sort of like space away from my parents, they couldn't really figure it out, because I was too slick with it. So, you know, I definitely want to respect my son's ability to communicate outside of me and have his own expression. But I want him to be able to to talk to me about anything. And if he's in trouble rather than saying, oh man, my dad's going to kill me, <laughs> to rather, I, I need to call my dad about this because he's going to help me. Yep. So. Yeah. And we, you know, and like a lot of families, we always said, you know, no matter what it is, mm -hmm. you know, give us a call. We'll show up, you know, and, and, you know, no questions asked. Then there you get home. We'll talk about it the next day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> definitely. Not you know, but 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 then and there, no, you know that you 
we've got your back. We're a family. Mm-hmm. We are in this together. Um, you know, so, you know, and we, and for the kids, that was the big thing we always told them, you know, your brother and sister forever. Um, this is, you are this forever. So, you know, that can be a bad thing or a good thing. So build it as a good thing because you will have that forever. And, you know, um, telling them that they're, you are best friends right now and you can continue that forever if you keep building that relationship or you can let that relationship fall apart and you're still brother and sister forever with a terrible relationship because you are this forever. So decide how you want to build that relationship that is going to last Great that amount of advice. time. Um, my mom so, always said that, Tim. Oh my God. Yeah. She like, she said it so loudly that I hear it from, from the Evan, wherever she is right now. <laughs> She's always going to be your brother. She's always going to be your sister. That was a really powerful the other thing she always said was, I'm your mother. I'm always going to worry. Yeah, I'd yep. be like, oh, I'm, yep. I'm 50 years old. And, you know, I don't want to. She's like, don't tell me. I'm your mother. Don't tell me not to worry about you. Um, Tim, if I can't <laughs> ask you a very superficial, two superficial questions. One, did you ever uh, work for Red Wing? Uh, no, I have never worked for Red Wing. My stepdad worked for Red Wing, um, you know, pretty much all the years oh, he growing okay. up. He's retired from there. So I have, yep. So I have that family the connection other there. Question, can nope, you pronounce the name of this podcast? Because Adam and I have been, been discussing changing the name so that it's more pronounceable. But I don't know. I've kind of grown fond of it. Uh, any thought? Oh, yeah. We're not Beer changing it. Beer? I'm going to go one step beyond uh, Adam. Uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to put Adam on the spot, but I'm just going to officially uh, ask Adam to join me in uh, naming you unofficial ambassador for, uh, for this podcast. You're just a delightful human being, a beautiful soul. We, we all can learn from you. I'm Man. not a parent, but parents can cer- certainly learn from you. And certainly anybody can learn from you and your, and your spirit of generosity and warmth and kindness. And uh, my God, hopefully you'll come back. Tell us more and uh, just, you know, be a, be a voice that we can listen to. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to, you know, share with you guys and to be on here and what you guys are doing. And yeah, I, I mean, I love what you guys are doing. I love, I will definitely champion it. Um, you know, new podcasts come out, you're showing up in the stories because it's important. Men need to, men need to hear this. We need to share with each other. We need to be vulnerable. Um, even if we ourselves consider ourselves not good at it, that just means the more reason we need to do it. The more we need to change that mindset, the more we realize, need to realize that, um, that that is a weakness and it's not a strength. The strength is in sharing, is in the community, is in um, men holding up men, not men, you know, not ever sharing to never give them a chance to hold up. You know, that was the thing I wrote the other day about, you know, me being vulnerable here gives another man a chance to be valuable. I'm telling you you're valuable because I'm willing to talk about it. And I know you're going through or will go through some of the same things I've gone through. Wow. That, 
I gave me goosebumps, man. That was yeah, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I love the vulnerable, valuable thing. It was yeah. like kind of brilliant. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. It's uh, it was uh, just a nothing it was spur of the i was just typing and i'm like you know uh, i i like alliteration so <laughs> <laughs> well great well tim this has been an absolute pleasure having you on is there any last final things you'd like to say or should i close up the show um i just again appreciate what you guys are doing um love the chance to share a little bit um Love to have an opportunity to do it down the road when you guys are still doing this five years later. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again, Tim, for coming on today. This has been the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. And I'm Albert Imperata. Thank you for listening. <laughs>